Chapter Thirty Six of Nobody. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gabby Cowan. Nobody by Susan Warner. Chapter Thirty Six. Two Sunday Schools. Lois was inclined now to think it might be quite as well if something hindered Mr. Dillwyn's second visit. She did not wonder at much evident fascination. She had felt the same herself long ago, and in connection with other people. The charm of good breeding and gracious manners, and the habit of the world, even apart from knowledge and cultivation and the art of conversation, yes mr dillwyn was a good specimen of this sort of attraction and for a moment lois's imagination recalled that day's two walks in the rain then she shook off the impression two poor shoe girls were not likely to have much to do with that sort of society and it was best they should not it would be just as well if mr dillwyn was hindered from coming again but he came a month had passed it was the beginning of december when he knocked next at the door and cold and grey and cloudy and windy as it is december's character in certain moods to be the reception he got was hearty in proportion fires were larger the table even more hospitably spread mrs barclay even more cordial and the family atmosphere not less genial. Nevertheless, the visit for Mr. Dillwyn's special ends was hardly satisfactory. He could get no private speech with Lois. She was always busy, and at meal times it was obviously impossible, and would have been impolitic to pay any particular attention to her. Philip did not attempt it. He talked rather to everyone else made himself delightful company but groaned in secret cannot you make some excuse for getting her in here he asked mrs barclay at evening not without her sister with her sister then they are very busy just now preparing something they call apple butter it's unlucky philip i am very sorry i always told you your way looked to me intricate fortune favoured him however in an unexpected way after a day passed in much inward impatience for he had not got a word with lois and he had no excuse for prolonging his stay beyond the next day as they sat at supper the door opened and in came two ladies mr dillwyn was formally presented to one of them as to my aunt mrs marks the other was named as mrs silly the latter was a neat brisk little body with a capable air and a mien of business all whose words came out as if they had been nicely picked and squared and sorted and packed and served in order sorry to interrupt miss armandale she began in a chirruping little voice indeed her whole air was that of a notable little hen looking after her chickens charity assured her it was no interruption mrs silly and i had our tea hours ago said mrs mark 
I had muffins for her, and we ate all we could then. We don't want no more now. We're on business. Yes, said Mrs. Silly. Mrs. Marks and I, we've got to see everybody pretty much, and there ain't much time to do it in, so you see we can't choose, and we just come here to see what you'll do for us. What do you want us to do for you, Mrs. Silly? Lois asked. Well, I don't know. Only all you can. We want your counsel, and then your help. Mr. Silly, he said, go to the Lothrop girls first. I didn't come first, cause there was somebody else on my way here, but this is our fourth cold, ain't it, Mrs. Marks? I thought I'd never get you away from number three, was the answer. They were very much interested, and I wanted to make them all understand. It was important that they should all understand. And there are different ways of understanding, added Mrs. Marks. And there are a good many of them, the Hicks, I mean. And so we thought we'd got it all right with one. We found somebody else was in a fog, and then he had to be fetched out. But we are all in a fog, said Madge, laughing. What are you coming to? And what are we to understand? We have a little plan, said Mrs. Silly. It'll be a big one before we get through with it, added her coadjutor. Nobody'll be frightened here if you call it a big one to start with, Mrs. Silly. I like to look things in the face. So do we, said Mrs. Armandale with a kind of grim humor. If you will give us a chance. Well, it's about the children, said Mrs. Silly. Christmas, added Mrs. Marks. Be quiet, Anne, said her mother. Go on, Mrs. Silly. Whose children? I might say they are all Mr. Silly's children, said the little lady, laughing. And so they are in a way, as they are all belonging to his church. He feels he's responsible for the care of them, and he don't want to lose them. And that's why it's all about, and how the plan came up. How's he going to lose them? Mrs. Armandale asked, beginning now to knit again. Well, you see the other church is making great efforts, and they're going to have a tree. What sort of a tree? And what do they want a tree for? Why, a fair tree, and why, a Christmas tree, cried the two ladies who advocated the plan, both in a breath. Mother don't know about that, Mrs. Marks went on. It's a new fashion, mother. Come up since your day. They have a green tree planted in a tub and hung with all sorts of things to make it look pretty, little candles especially, and at night they light it up, and the children are tickled to death with it. Indoors? Why, of course indoors. Couldn't be out of doors in the snow. I didn't know, said the old lady. I don't understand the new fashions. I should think they would burn up the house if it's indoors. Oh, no, no danger, explained Mrs. Silly. They made them wonderfully pretty, with the branches all hung full with glass balls and candles and ribbons and gilt toys and papers of sugar plums, cornucopia, you know, and dolls and tops and jacks and trumpets and wimps and everything you can think of till it is all full as it can be, and the branches hang down with the weight, 
and it looks like a fairy tree and then the heavy presents lie at the foot round about and cover the top i should think the children would be delighted said madge i don't believe it's as much fun as santa claus and the stocking said lois no nor i said mrs barclay but we have nothing to do with the children's stockings said mrs silly they may hang up as many as they like that's at home this is in the church oh in the church i thought you said it was in the house in people's houses said charity so it is but this tree is to be in the church what tree la how stupid you are charity exclaimed her aunt didn't mrs silly tell you the tree the other church are getting up oh said charity well you can't hinder them as i see don't want to hinder them what should we hinder them for but we don't want them to get all our children away that's what we're looking at do you think they'll go mr silly's afraid ill thing of the school dreadful said mr silly's helpmate they're safe to go added mrs marks ask children to step in and see fairyland and why shouldn't they go i'd go if i was they all the rest of the year it ain't fairyland and shampuashuh i'd go fast enough then i don't see what you're going to do about it said charity but to sit down and count your chickens that are left that's what we came to tell you said the minister's wife well tell said charity you haven't told yet only what the other church is going to do well we thought the only way was for us to do something too only not another tree said lois not that for pity's sake why not asked the little minister's wife with an air of being somewhat taken aback why haven't we as good a right to have a tree as they have right if you like said lois but right isn't all go on and let's hear your wisdom lois said her aunt i suppose you'll say first we can't do it we can do it perhaps said lois but aunt aunt it could make bad feeling that's not our lookout rejoined mrs marks we haven't any bad feeling no not in the least added mrs silly we only want to give our children as good a time as the others have that's right let nothing be done through strife or vain glory mrs armandale's voice was here heard to say yes i know mother you have old-fashioned ideas said mrs marks but the world ain't as it used to be when you was a girl now everybody's putting steam on and churches and sunday schools as well as all the rest we have organs and choirs and concerts and celebrations and fairs and festivals and if we don't go with the crowd they'll leave us behind you see i don't believe it all said mrs armandale well mother we've got to take the world as we find it now the children all through the village are all agog with the story of what the yellow church is going to do and if the white church don't do something they'll all run to the other way that you may depend on children are children i sometimes think the grown folks are children said the old lady well we ought to be children 
said Mrs. Seeley. I am sure we all know that, but Mr. Seeley thought this was the only thing we could do. There comes in the second difficulty, Mrs. Seeley, said Lois. We cannot do it. I don't see why we cannot. We've as good a place for it, quite. I mean, we cannot do it satisfactorily. It will not be the same thing. We cannot raise the money. Don't it take a good deal? Well, it takes considerable, but I think if we all try, we can scare it up somehow. Lois shook her head. The other church is richer than we are, she said. That's a fact, said Charity. Mrs. Sillis hesitated. I don't know, she said. They have one or two rich men, Mr. George. Oh, and Mr. Flair, cried Madge, and Buck, and Setterdown, and the Robbers, and the Magnuses. Yes, said Mrs. Silly, but we have more people, and there is none of them to call poor, if we get them interested, and those we have spoken to are very much taken with the plan, very much. I think it would be a great disappointment now, if we were to stop, and the children have got talking about it. I think we can do it, and it would be a very good thing for the whole church to get them interested. You can always get people interested in play, said Mrs. Armandale. What you want is to get them interested in work. There'll be a good deal of work about this before it's over, said Mrs. Silly, with a pleased chuckle, and I think when they get their pride up, the money will be coming. Mrs. Marks made agreements, but said nothing. When pride cometh, then cometh shame, said Mrs. Armandale quietly. Oh, yes, some sorts of pride, said the little minister's wife briskly, but I mean a proper sort. We don't want to let our church go down, and we don't want to have our Sunday school thin out, and I can tell you where the children go. There the fathers and mothers will be going next thing. What do you propose to do? said Lois. We have not fairly heard yet. Well, we thought we'd have some sort of celebration and give the school a jolly time somehow. We dressed up the church handsomely with evergreens and have it well lighted, and then we would have a Christmas tree if we could, or if we couldn't, then we'd have a real good hot supper and give the children presents but i am afraid if we don't have a tree they'll all run off to the other church and i think they're going already so as to get asked mr silly said the attendance was real thin last sabbath there followed an animated discussion of the whole subject with every point brought up again and again and again the talkers were for the most part charity and match with the two ladies who had come in mrs armandale rarely throwing in a word which always seemed to have a disturbing power and things were taken up and gone over anew to get rid of the disturbance lois sat silent and played with her spoon mrs barclay and philip listened with grave amusement well i can't sit here all night said charity at last rising from behind her tea-board madge and lois just jump up and put away the things won't you and hand me up the knives and plates 
don't trouble yourself mrs barclay if other folks in the village are as busy as i am you'll come short home for your christmas work mrs silly it's the busy people always that help said the little lady propitiatingly that's a fact but i don't see no end of this to take hold of you hain't got the money and if you had it you don't know what you want and if you did know it ain't in Sampashoe, and i don't see who is to go to new york or new heaven shopping for you and if you had it who knows how to fix a christmas tree not a soul in our church mrs barclay and her guests withdrew at this point of the discussion but later when the visitors were gone she opened the door of her room and said madge and lois can you come in here for a few minutes it is business the two girls came in madge a little eagerly lois mrs barclay fancied with a manner of some reserve mr dillwyn has something to suggest she began about this plan we have heard talked over that is if you care about its being carried into execution i care of course said madge if it is to be done i think it would be great fun if it is to be done lois repeated grandmother does not approve of it and i always think what she does not like i must not like always asked mr dillwyn i try to have it always grandmother thinks that the way the best way to keep a sunday school together is to make the lessons interesting i am sure she is right said mr dillwyn but to the point said mrs barclay lois they will do this thing i can see the question now is do you care whether it is done ill or well certainly if it is done i should wish it to be as well done as possible failure is more than failure how about ways and means money oh if the people all set their hearts on it they could do it well enough but they are slow to take hold of anything out of the common run they are accustomed to the wheels go in ruts at Sampoishoe. Sampoishoe is not the only place said philip then will you let an outsider help help we would very glad of help said madge but lois remarked i think the church ought to do it themselves if they want to do it well hear my plan said mr dillwyn i think you objected to two rival trees i object to rival anythings said lois in church matters especially then i propose that no tree be set up but instead that you let santa claus come in with his sledge santa claus cried lois who would be santa claus an old man in a white mantle his head and beard covered with snow and fringed with icicles his dress of fur his sledge a large one and well heaped up with things to delight the children what do you think much color rose and lois's eye took a sparkle both were silent then madge spoke i don't see how that plan could be carried out any more than the other it is a great deal better it is magnificent but it is a great deal too magnificent for Sampoishu. why so nobody here knows how to do it i know how you oh but 
that would be too much all you have to do is to get the other things ready and let it be known that at the proper time santa claus will appear with a well-furnished sled sharp on time well furnished but there again i don't believe we can raise money enough for that how much money asked dillwyn with an amused smile oh i can't tell i suppose a hundred dollars at least i have as much as that lying useless it may just as well do some good it never was heard that anybody but santa claus furnished his own sled if you will allow me i will take care of that how splendid cried madge but it is too much it couldn't be right for us to let you do all that for a church that is nothing to you on the contrary you ought to encourage me in my first endeavours to make myself of some use in the world miss madge i have never so far done a bit of good in my life oh mr dillwyn i cannot believe that people do not grow useful so all of a sudden without practice said madge hitting a great general truth it is a fact however said he half lightly and yet evidently meaning what he said i have lived thirty-two years in the world nearly thirty-three without making my life of the least use to anybody so far as i know do you wonder that i seize a chance lois's eyes were suddenly lifted and then as suddenly lowered she did not speak i can read that he said laughingly for his eyes had caught the glance you mean if i am so eager for chances i might make them miss lois i do not know how come philip said mrs barclay you are making your character unnecessarily bad i know you better than that think what you have done for me i beg your pardon said he think what you have done for me that score cannot be reckoned to my favour have no scruples miss madge about employing me though i believe miss lois thinks the good of this undertaking a doubtful one how many children does your school number altogether and they would be sure for once to be all together there are a hundred and fifty have you the names oh certainly and the age proximately yes that too and you know something i suppose about many of them something about their families and conditions about all of them said madge yes indeed we do till mrs barclay came you must understand put in lois here we had nothing or not much to study besides sambosu so we studied that and since mrs barclay came asked philip oh mrs barclay has been opening one door after another of knowledge and we have been peeping in and what special door offers most attractions to your view of them all i don't know i think perhaps for me geology and mineralogy but almost every one helps in the study of the bible oh do they said dillwyn somewhat dryly i like music best said madge but that is not a door into knowledge objected lois i meant of all the doors mrs barclay has opened to us mrs barclay is a favoured person it is we that are favoured said madge our life is a different thing since she came we hope she will never go away 
then Madge colored with some sudden thought, and she went back to the former subject. Why do you ask about the children, ages, and all that, Mr. Dillwyn? I was thinking, when a thing is to be done, I like to do it well. It occurred to me that as Santa Claus must have something on his sledge for each one, it might be good, if possible, to secure some adaptation of fitness in the gift. Those who would like books should have books, and the right books, and playthings had better not go astray, if we can help it, and perhaps the poorer children would be better for articles of clothing. I am only throwing out hints. Capital hints, said Lois. You mean, if we can tell what would be good for each one, I think we can, pretty nearly. But there are a few poor people in Sampoishu, Mr. Dillwyn. Sampoishu is a happy place. This plan will give you an immensity of work, Mr. Dillwyn. What then? I have scruples. It is not fair to let you do it. What is Sampoishu to you? It might be difficult to make that computation, said Mr. Dillwyn dryly. Have no scruples, Miss Lois, as I told you. I have nothing better to do with myself. If you can make me useful, it will be a rare chance. But there are plenty of other things to do, Mr. Delwyn, said Lois. He gave her only a glance and a smile by way of answer, and plunged immediately into the business question with Madge. Lois sat by, silent and wondering, till all was settled that could be settled that evening and she and madge went back to the other room end of chapter thirty six recorded by gabby cowan